The Ledbetter family and Harmony Primitive Baptist Church would like to thank everyone for coming to this memorial service for our dear departed brother, Ronnie Ledbetter. This is a sorrowful time for those of us who remain, but we need to think about where brother Ronnie is today. And that's what we want to focus on. We want to celebrate his life. Ronnie's no longer suffering, and he is in the presence of our successful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he professed and loved here below. Let me open us with a word of prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the lives that the saints of God lived before us. Your word speaks of faith, hope, and love, and we saw all three of these attributes in Brother Ronnie. We're thankful for that testimony. Lord, we live in a wicked and sin-cursed world, and were it not for your blessings of grace poured out upon an undeserving people such as us, we would never see faith, hope, or love in this world. But we know faith is an evidence, and it tells us something. It tells us something that a man has been touched by the grace of God. And what a wonderful testimony and comfort that is to all who are here today, to know that someone had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ pray that you would continue to comfort them as you are the God of all comfort, and that you would go with us in this service, that it would be honoring to you. And we ask this in the name of the successful Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ronald Ronnie Eldon Ledbetter, age 72 of Donaldson, passed away Friday, July 22nd, 2022, at his home. Ronnie was born March 21st, 1950, in Winchester, Arkansas, the son of Earl Delmar and Lois Opal Martin Ledbetter. He was raised in Caney, Arkansas, graduated from Bismarck High School in 1968, and later married the love of his life, Gloria Schaefer Ledbetter, on November 25, 1971. He was a member of Harmony Primitive Baptist Church. Ronnie was a hard-working man and over the years worked at Reynolds Grumman Boat Company and later worked for and retired from Shields Lumber Company. In his spare time, during the spring and summer, he mowed anywhere from 15 to 20 yards each year. He was a member of the Washita School Board for 32 years and served as president for many of those years. Ronnie was a big supporter of the school, the students, and all Washita athletics. He enjoyed being outdoors, playing golf, sitting on his front porch, taking trips to Branson with the family, and he loved spending time with the grandkids and great-grandkids. He was preceded in death by his wife of 49 years, Gloria Ledbetter, his parents, brother Cecil Ledbetter, two sisters, Betty Jones and Earlene Thacker, the survivors are his sons, Chad Ledbetter and wife Mandy, Brock Ledbetter, grandsons Dylan Ledbetter and wife Lauren, Devin Ledbetter, and three great-grandchildren, Asa, Maddox, and Charlie Grace, all of Donaldson. Brother Doug Ledbetter, wife Sue, of Caney, sister Pam Whitley, and husband David of Magnet Cove, along with numerous nieces and nephews. Good morning. Uh, I'm incredibly honored to uh, be asked to say a few words on behalf of the family uh, for our, our beloved Ronnie. Uh, well, I'm not going to hit you with a bunch of scriptures, but I will give you one. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, 2 Corinthians 4.18, it says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And this is what we must do here. Uh, I think this is what Ronnie did uh, there in the last, let's say, weeks. And for him, we must uh, do it also. For he has become part of the unseen. But what he left with us will remain in our hearts and our minds uh, forever. Uh, He will not be forgotten. I so firmly believe that Ronnie is in a a better place now than he was a a couple of months ago. You know, and we were praying for him. I know this church and and so many people praying for Ronnie day after day after day. And, uh, you know, everything is in God's will. Uh, may May God bless you, Chad. Mandy, Brock, Candace, Dylan, Lauren, Devin, Katie, Doug, Sue, not with us, Pam, David, and the great grandchildren that aren't aren't here with us, Asa Maddox and Charlie Grace. Um, what do we all know about Ronnie? Okay, here's a few things that 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 I've just come up with that I feel pretty comfortable that you'll agree uh, with. Uh, uh, he was a great guy. Ronnie was just a it was an overall great guy. He was dependable. He loved my nemesis and my rival Washita. I only say my because I'm at Poland because I love Washita too. Uh, but he loved Washita School. Uh, he was extremely likable. How could you know Ronnie and not like Ronnie? He was a hard worker. He liked to talk. Yep. And he loved him some Gloria Jean Ledbetter. Amen. And those are the few of the things, there's many more, I know, uh, but things that just stand out to, to when I think about Ronnie and think about what he's left here behind us and what I'll remember. Um, I'll get back to, to Glow in, in a little while. You know, you can't have a celebration of Ronnie's life without a, a good Glow story or, or two. You know, that's part of Ronnie's life. Um, dependable, let's talk about that. Ronnie was so dependable. Uh, Ronnie mowed my yard along with, I'd be interested to know how many yards he's mowed um, over his life, but thousands and thousands and thousands. But he mowed my yard, and, and when Ronnie told me he was going to mow, I didn't wonder, I didn't question, I didn't, you know, he was going to mow then. Whatever Ronnie told you he was going to do, you knew that he was going to do it. He was going to be there, and he was going to do it to the best of his abilities. Um, He was always dependable. Um, uh, The board meetings, you know, I'd be curious to know how many board board meetings that he missed over the years. I'm going to say it was very, very, very few over those, like, 32 years unless there was some kind of major illness or something, you know, this with glow at the end or, or something like that. Uh, Washita School. He devoted so much of his life to Washita School and loving and, and, and honoring and cherishing that school. Uh, how are you on a school board for 32, maybe 34, I heard both, years? You know, that's a non-paying job with... I won't ask a show of hands, but how many of y'all in here got mad at him because something happened, you know? Uh, yeah, and you get mad at the school board. A lot of years he was the president, uh, and it was un- non-paying. And he kept doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it. 
Uh, how about ball games? Him and Glow love sitting up there in that corner in that hot gym, loud, and cheering for those Warriors. Um, and he was looking forward to doing it for several more years to come with these grandchildren, I know. Uh, but he loved going and watching ball games uh, and supporting the, the Warriors. Uh, you got to admire that, you know. And one other thing on the board I was thinking is, you know, we need more people uh, like him on our school boards in the state, people that are going to, you know, uh, do the right thing and, and uh, work with that. Um, he liked to talk. <clears throat> Most of you uh, have a story that fit in this category, I know. So while I'm talking, I guess you can think about your story. Um, here's one that, that that I think about quite often. Uh, Ronnie would come over to the house occasionally. And he'd come over and, and uh, start talking, uh, you know, or so. And uh, Lynn, she likes to talk too. And, and her and Ronnie, if you listen to them, it was a whole series because, you know, Ronnie knew everybody. He knew when they were born, when they were married, where they lived, what the kid. He knew all that stuff, and Lynn eats that up, you know. Uh, where, where were they born? Uh, where, where? And, uh, well, they came in and started talking. They talked for 20 or 30 minutes. I was in there, but I'm not big into that. And uh, so I finally said, well, I got some stuff I got to go out and do, so I'm fixing to go outside and, and do some work. It was at least an hour before I came back in. And they hadn't even moved. They hadn't even moved, and they were still going at it back and forth. Well, where, where, you know, uh, Lawrence told me her stories about Ronnie coming over in two or three hours of just talking, 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 talking. You know, and it wasn't bad talk. It was good talk. It wasn't like criticizing people, being mean. It wasn't that kind of talk. It was. It was, it was just good talk. He just liked to talk. I've heard, which I didn't know this till uh, the last few days, but he apparently had a K cup. That's a Keurig coffee. I don't drink that, but a K cup circuit. And uh, he would leave K cups at Patty and Leon's, Mandy and Chad's, and Lauren and Dylan's. And I, there might be somewhere else that I missed, but I know those for sure. And he'd make his round, and he'd stop by and see who was doing what. You know, apparently y'all got the first visit because you're early birds, so y'all got the first visit. And uh, Ronnie just go in there, pop him a K-cup in, fix him a cup of coffee, and let the talking begin. Um, and then he'd work his way around and see who was home and what they were doing. And, and he might not even be sitting in your living room. He might just be come in and sit down and get started by himself. Uh, and Ronnie and my dad, they talked. Dad was a talker. So they loved to talk, and they talked so much the last few years of my dad's life. A hard worker. Ronnie was a hard worker. Um, according to Doug and Pam, um, he started mowing yards when he was just a kid. And I didn't know that. So he's like a professional, lifelong yard mower. Um, but he started mowing when he was really young um, and kept doing it. Uh, his major jobs, like we said there, uh, Ronnie worked at the eggplant when he was real young. There was an eggplant here in Donaldson. I know some of this stuff I hear about Donaldson. I'm like, what? There was an eggplant here in Donaldson. Then, I'm not sure if Ronnie, I'm not sure who people I've asked didn't know if he moved to Pine Bluff, but my grandmother worked with Ronnie here in Donaldson. My grandmother Fisher, on my mother's side, then went to Pine Bluff and worked at the eggplant, then went to Malvern and worked at the eggplant. And I actually, as probably about a four or five-year-old boy, went to work with, with them one day. And they would ride together. Ronnie and my grandmother would ride together. And she just loved Ronnie to death. Uh, 
He worked at Reynolds. He worked at Grumman Boats. And then he finished up at, at Shields Lumber uh, Company, Mill, uh, working there where he moved right up the ladder and, and, uh, and uh, I think got to where he didn't have to work quite as much at the end as he did at the beginning. Uh, the truth be told, uh, I think Ronnie did all this work. You know, he had to have a job. I know that. But he did the yards. He kept doing that even as he got older and older because he wanted to make Glow happy. Well, why did that make Glow happy? Well, this was that extra money that he, that they needed to go do things that they wanted to do, to go to Branson, um, go to Oakland every once in a while, go to Vidalia, Louisiana. They would talk for two months out about when they were going to Vidalia, and they'd love it so much and look forward to it. Um, I don't know. I think one time they went to Tunica, um, and they love to go eat. Well, this, I think this money that he kept, you know, making, working, getting, um, was for Glow. Because he knows, she, he liked it too. But he knew she loved to go do that. You know, I know there were some years they went to Branson at least twice, maybe three times. Uh, and they just loved to go do that. So I think he worked for Glow a lot. Um, kind-hearted. Ronnie was kind-hearted. You know, um, Brock told me a, a good story uh, about when they, he would go mow with Ronnie when he was young. And they said there was this one particular house in Arkadelphia, knew the lady didn't have much money at all. And they'd mow her yard, and quite often the woman would come out afterwards and say, Well, what I owe you, Mr. Ronnie? And Ronnie would say, Ah, you're good. We got this one. And that really touched Brock's heart and sort of, he, he, Brock said he'll always remember that. Ronnie just say, after they sit there and worked in the sun and the heat for an hour, and, and Ronnie just saying, nah, you, you, we got this one on us. Um, Great-grandchildren, boy, he loved them. Yes, he loved his grandchildren too. But uh, you know how it is, those great-grandchildren, when they're being born. Um, him and Charlie Grace would uh, fight over the, the ice cream sandwiches. Um, I'm sure I didn't ask, but I'm sure uh, she would win. Um, but then he would tease her about her boy, quote, boyfriend, until she'd get so mad that she'd just run off and, and run away from him. Um, so, you know, Ronnie had that side to him where he'd tease and he's funny, he's joking. Um, he enjoyed those boys and watching them play ball and, and, and getting to support them and... Uh, just watching them grow up and and be boys aren't they're boys aren't they dealing <laughs> um sports ronnie some of y'all might not know this but ronnie was quite a, an accomplished softball player uh, ronnie uh, played and played i watched him and my dad played for for several years and they were on some really good teams he's a first baseman um and when i got old enough to play i can very vividly remember talking Ronnie into playing for another year. He wasn't going to play. And I was like, no, Ronnie, you got to play. Play another year. One more year. One more year. You're our first baseman. we got to have you. And he did. Well, we were down at Arkadelphia one day and playing, and uh, he took a shot off his uh, left thigh. And it was black and blue, and the spot was that big. It swole up quite a bit. It got pretty scary there for a, a few days, uh, worried about a blood clot or something. And uh, he said, well, that's going to have to be it for me. So that was his his retirement. Uh, but really, I really enjoyed that, uh, playing with him. Uh, another thing I have to throw in is that apparently he was pretty well known as a youth for his scooter. 
He had this scooter that he owned, uh, and he rode all over Caney on it. Um, he'd give Doug and Pam rides on it and numerous other people. Uh, but the funny thing, and I can just picture a, a young Ronnie uh, getting a hold of that scooter. Well, he had to run beside it and then jump on it to get it started. So you didn't just get on it and start it. You had to run to get it started. So I could see him with Pam. Hurry up, Ronnie. Let's go, Ronnie. Or something like that. And him trying to get that scooter started. Uh, uh, Patty said she even remembered that scooter. And Ronnie just running around all over the place on, on that scooter in Bismarck. And I guess that's what why it's so shocked. It shocked me at the time that all of a sudden Ronnie, years ago, I can't remember, 20 or whatever, bought a big old motorcycle, a full-grown motorcycle. I'm like, Ronnie, what in the world are you doing with that? And uh, I guess he just didn't get it out of himself running by that scooter trying to get it started. Uh, here's a good one from Pam. When Ronnie was in high school, he had a picture of Glow. Had it up on his wall. And a couple of times, and I know y'all aren't going to be able to imagine this, but a couple of times, Glow got mad and broke up with him. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, but Pam said it was true. Uh, Ronnie would just, she said Ronnie would just look at that picture and sit on his bed and just cry. I know, poor Ronnie, dead gummit glow. And just cry, and he would say, because I just love her so much. Well, Jerry Stafford told me this is a story. He told me a story that sort of says a bad side of Jerry. I guess he was the protector around Dawson, the thug or something. But Jerry told me that he remembered Ronnie and a couple other boys from Bismarck coming, as he called it, across the river. And they would come to dances and sort of come in on them, you know, with these Dawson boys. They had that click. And uh, they'd come in on them, and uh, Jerry and a couple Dawson boys sort of escorted them back to Bismarck. Well, most of the Bismarck boys got it, and they stayed away. Well, Ronnie just kept coming back, and he kept coming back. Why? Because he had met the love of his life in Donaldson. <clears throat> uh, I, if, I, I keep hearing something. I don't know if y'all... I've been hearing it for a couple of months, and I could sort of hear it I don't know if I mean if y'all can't hear it, it's it sounds something like <laughs> Would you hurry up and get up here? I'm waiting on you. And I think for a couple of months I've heard that Ronnie You know, Glow has a to-do list about a mile long for Ronnie. I guarantee you she does. Now Glow was hard on Ronnie. God rest her soul. I love that lady, and she loved me. She loved us, you know. But most of all, she loved that Ronnie. Um, she just uh, goes a a little, or I don't know. I got a little, and I got a lot. I don't know which way I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna go a lot. Go was a lot spoiled by Ronnie. <laughs> If you went over to their house for a meal or just sit around and talk, you, you got a lot of, Ronnie, do this. Ronnie, do that. Ronnie, get me this. Or get me that. And he'd do it with a smile on his face. If he wanted to 
put glow in her place though every once in a while if he got a little agitated at her because maybe she had said that like five times in the last 10 minutes if he, we wanted to put her in her place he'd sit there for like five seconds before he did it you know <laughs> he'd show her or maybe i've seen him before i've seen him her say that and he'd be talking and he's going, I'm going to finish what I'm saying. You know, he'd cut it short, but he'd finish his few words and then he'd get up and go do it. Uh, uh, what, a, what a great uh, relationship they had. Uh, you know, Ronnie set the ball, bar awfully high for all of us married men. Uh, Doug even said that his wife told him several times, why can't you be more like Ronnie? Uh, I know when Doug told me that, I thought I'm sure Lynn was thinking that as her and Ronnie sat there and talked and talked and talked. Um, they had a genuine love that, that few of us, uh, few couples ever really really get quite that deep and, and share that, that how deep their, their love for each other, other went. Uh, but I'll sort of close by saying Donaldson, Washita School, all of us here and many others lost a lot with the passing of Glow 15 months ago and now Ronnie. But they left us plenty of memories and set a great example of what a marriage should look like. Ronnie, you will be missed greatly but in no way will you be forgotten. We will fix our eyes not on what we not, we will fix our eyes on what is unseen for it is eternal. So remember that as you think about Ronnie. Thank you. I stand up here and testify on a pretty regular basis. Today I'm going to testify that if you come to a Ledbetter funeral in Donaldson, you're going to learn something. Uh, I learned today, Jerry Stafford was a thug. <laughs> Note to self, talk to Jerry. You know, the last several months of Ronnie's life, he was in a sad state. Those of you who visit him... It was hard to see him in that state, and uh, it's hard to provide comfort. I even mentioned from this pulpit at one point, it's, it's like, I'm a talker. I like to talk to people and interact with them, and he was in such a state that it was kind of hard to do that. It was hard to minister to him in the way that you conventionally would, but I do want to give testimony to the fact of the family and how frequently you were with Ronnie over that period of time. There was a lot of time and effort spent to be with Ronnie in that circumstance. And I just want you to know, he knew you loved him. I mean, he knew that before any of that happened. But he saw the love that you guys exhibited toward him. And other people saw it too, and it was a good testimony. And it was difficult to minister to him in those times because oftentimes you couldn't even hardly talk to him. He tried to get me to turn a fan on one day. It took him 10 minutes of trying to, I, he's trying to tell me, and I'm like, what are you saying? And I'm feeling stupid, and I'm, say it again, Ronnie. And I'm putting my head up close to, and I know he's thinking, you are an idiot. Just turn the fan on, it's right there. Well, I finally turned it on and got it situated, and, you know, took us 10 minutes just to do that. 
five more minutes for me to figure out he's telling me to turn it off, you know, and it was difficult. But Ronnie is not suffering anymore. The location of most of the suffering in this deal is in this room right now. Ronnie's with the God of all comfort. This room is what needs comfort right now. And I want to comfort you all by sharing some things that I tried to share with Ronnie. One of the things I pointed out to him was how Paul, in these difficult times where he's in such a sad state, Paul says that you set your mind on those things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and virtuous and praiseworthy. Now, in his state, where you couldn't do a whole lot except think about stuff, and a lot of that time he was alone. I tried to get him to stay his mind on hopeful things and not on his present circumstances. And that's a challenge for us. It's going to be a challenge for us in the coming days as we think about these things. But I want you to think about those positive things because Ronnie's not suffering anymore. He's with the God of all comfort, and the comfort that's needed is in the here and now, right? So let me try to provide some of that comfort for you. Ronnie had faith. Now, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. And by it, Ronnie Ledbetter obtained a good report. He had faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that basis, we know he's in glory with God. What a comfort that is to everyone in this room to know that this brother had a profession of faith. Now, we're Baptists here. And we're all about getting some people wet in the waters of baptism around here. We love it. We got one coming up this Sunday. Anybody wants to join the church, we can include you in that as well. We like to do that. That's part of what we do. It's an ordinance of the Lord's New Testament church. Now, Ronnie had been around this church for a long time. Glow joined in 1965. That's before I was even born. She had already become a member of this church. But Ronnie had never been baptized. He was a very regular church attender. Better than some of our members, honestly. Was always here, never been baptized. He believed, but he'd never been baptized. And among the old Baptists, we call those dry landers, right? People who've been to church, they go to church. If you didn't know any better, you'd think he was a member of the church, but he's not. He's a dry lander. He's afraid of the water is kind of the way we describe it sometimes. And it's not an uncommon occurrence. It happens. I remember after uh, baptizing my daughter, we were downstairs in the basement, and Brother Ronnie kind of sidled over to me, and he said, you know, I've been thinking about I probably need to get baptized. I've thought about it a bunch. I don't really know why I had never done it. And I said, Ronnie, we can take you upstairs right now and baptize you. And he kind of chuckled and, you know, uh, he he didn't really want to go through with it at the time. He kind of laughed it off and nothing more was said about it. But then a few months later, we were down there at lunch and Brother Ronnie came up to Brother Sonny and said, you know, I I really wanted to come forward at the end of service today. And and, uh, he said, well, let's just announce this right now and we're going to baptize you the next Sunday. And that's what happened. And after that baptism... Ronnie told me, he said, you know what, I should have done that a long time ago. I've believed what the church believes for a long, long time. And I just don't know why I never did, but I didn't. But I'm glad I did. And 
I know the church was elated. We were absolutely elated. Glow was elated. It was a wonderful day and a wonderful testimony. The Bible says that baptism is the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you're baptized, you're saying, I believe in the risen Lord. I believe resurrection is a reality in this world. God is the God of the living and of the dead, and that He will raise us again. That's where our hope is, and that's what you're testifying to in the waters of baptism. That's where Ronnie's hope was. Well, Ronnie was a man of hope. Ronnie had hope. You know, all the motions of religion are of very little value in this world if they're not bound to a sincere hope and earnest expectation of deliverance from this present evil world. Ronnie's declaration of faith in the resurrection of Christ brings with it a resurrection hope that though his body fail, he could, like Job, declare, though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. The resurrection is central to the hope of the New Testament Christian because Christianity is a religion of resurrection. If you've been around the old Baptist church very much, we spend a lot of time reading Romans 8. We may wear it out. Brother Leon says that's one of the oily pages in our Bibles. You go find an old Baptist Bible, it's going to have oil all over the pages in Romans 8 because we spend a lot of time there. And I want to read it to you. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called. Whom He called, them He also justified. Whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? You see, if God is on your side, there's nothing that could keep you out of glory. You follow me? Amen. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Has anybody got something against Ronnie Ledbetter today that you can say, well, I remember he did some horrible thing a long time ago. Maybe nobody knew anything about it. Well, I don't know that that's the case. But I know the Bible says this, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? The work of Christ is so thorough and so complete and so efficacious that nothing can be laid to the charge of God's elect, no matter what it is. It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. And Paul ends with this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? What in this world could possibly separate you from Christ's love? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded... And if the Apostle Paul is persuaded, every one of you who have a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ ought to be persuaded as well. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
there should be no doubt where Brother Ronnie is today. Nothing can separate him from the love of Christ. That is a hope. Ronnie's hope was in a loving Savior God, and he knew that he could not be separated from that love. He is experiencing it now, and what a comforting thought that is for us. Finally, Brother Ronnie had love. I don't think I'd have to spend much time trying to convince anybody in this room that Ronnie Ledbetter was a loving person. He loved the Lord. He professed that in baptism. He loved glow. My goodness. I don't know if I've ever known anybody who loved their wife as much as Ronnie loved Glow. He loved his kids and his grandkids and his family. He loved this church and his brothers and sisters in Christ. What a loving person. The Lord Jesus Christ himself taught a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Did anybody see that, Ronnie? Did anybody see that example? The Lord Jesus Christ says, that's how people know that you're one of my disciples when you show that type of love. I'll miss Brother Ronnie's bright eyes, his infectious smile, his affable nature that made everyone feel right at home in his presence. But given the opportunity, I would not call him back here today. Now look, I didn't know Ronnie nearly so well as many of you do, who've known him all your life. And you might be wanting to argue with me on that one, and I, I understand the sentiment. I understand the sentiment of if I, I'd like to bring him back. But think about it from Ronnie's perspective. Ronnie is not suffering anymore. He's in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing his manifest glory in a way that no one in this room has ever experienced. He's reunited with his wife and all the saints who have gone before. It is a glorious time for Ronnie. And when you think about the suffering that he went through, and you think about the loneliness that's going to attend the coming weeks and months after this funeral, you think about all of those things, the departure, missing him, Try to think about the positive things. Don't think about it so much from our perspective. Upon the death of his infant son, King David declared, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. David realized that all of God's family shall be reunited beyond this world when we're all in glory with the Lord. In our time, as in David's, that hope is based entirely on the perfect intercession of Christ. That is our hope. It's the hope that Ronnie and Glow had in this lifetime. So where is your hope today? We may be wise in our mental faculties, mighty in our youth, or physical prowess, rich in material possessions. Yea, there are innumerable temporal things upon which to place your hope, but they all share one thing in common. They are going to fail you. They're all going to fail you, no matter what they are. Jeremiah said, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Jeremiah knew that the passing things of this world Though they may seem powerful, trustworthy, substantial, solid, unmovable, even worthy, they all fail. 
In the end, our hope must be in the Lord. That was Ronnie's hope, and I set it before you as an example today. Finally, in the coming days, you'll find it easy to dwell on the separation and the longing. It can be very depressing. A lot of times the darkest days for a family are the days after a funeral. The time leading up to it, a lot of times you're caring for someone who's ill. After they pass and up to the funeral, you're dealing with arrangements. It kind of keeps, in some respects, your minds off of dwelling on things. And when the body is laid in the ground, sometimes those are the darkest days ahead. So that's when you're going to need the most comfort. Nevertheless, the verse I mentioned earlier that I read to Brother Ronnie while he was in the hospital was the Apostle Paul's admonition to avoid dwelling on negative thoughts. And I want to read it to you now for the same purpose that you might have some comfort that you might have some discipline with how you think about things in the coming days. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Set your mind on those things rather than on the depressing things. We all can make that choice of what we're going to set our minds on. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Think on those positive things. Draw strength from your faith. Press into the kingdom of God as Ronnie and Glow did. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Resist the urge to dwell on the sadness of Ronnie's departure, and instead allow thoughts of Ronnie to remind you of just how blessed you are to have had such a father and a grandfather and a friend. Ronnie had hope in a successful Savior. And when all other comforts of this world fail, the Lord is our hope. Perhaps it's only in times like this when we really see that. Draw comfort from the God of all comfort and rely on the Lord Jesus Christ because He is our only hope.